0: Siachtan, an Indo-ask Suite. Time is Mon to of Chacht I was number one of 그때 my students gave me an 8th
1: question.
0: I'm not on the way where I I Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Hello and welcome to The Big Tech Show, with me Adrian Weckler, the technology editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And today, I've got a really interesting guest. He's one of the most successful uh, people in tech in Ireland over the last 20 years. He's a rap fan. He has views on privacy, on Facebook, on Star Wars. He's Dylan Collins, who is the founder of Super Awesome, which is a company that specializes in kid tech, or maybe more accurately, uh, creating safe platforms and systems where uh, big companies can engage with kids in a non-invasive way and a non-creepy way, uh, uh, and basically the antithesis to an awful lot of what we're seeing at the moment with big tech scraping data. Of course, you might remember Dylan from... Uh, companies like Demonware, which he sold to the uh, the gaming giant Activision in, in 2007. Or even Jolt Online, which was sold to GameStop about 10 years ago. Dylan, we're going to get on to some of the stuff uh, you've been up to with uh, Super Awesome. And there's a long list to go through. First, I want to ask you uh, one or two quick questions in a kind of a related area, which is uh, the stuff that's been going on with uh, Facebook this week. Um uh, do you have any kind of? Do you think we're giving Mark Zuckerberg a, a raw deal here?
1: Oh, I have so many ways I could answer that question. Um,
0: we can take them all.
1: <laughs> uh, are we giving him a raw deal? Well, I think perhaps yes and no. Mm-hmm. I I I think that you know from a from a general. Data privacy perspective, I think it's, it's, it's very clear that Facebook um, have a lot more that they should be doing and that clearly they haven't really thought through the ramifications of a business model based on monetizing um, people's data. Um, I, I think, um, I mean, and again, I don't know if, like, it, I suppose it depends on when this podcast goes live. He may have walked the statement back Mm-hmm. but he he refused to endorse the concept of a kids digital privacy bill of rights mm-hmm. which i definitely thought was incredibly short sighted you know i mean again his his you know the the the, the the various senators and politicians aren't really asking about kids all that much, but that is sort of a huge topic, which is really sort of just underneath the surface I and, mean, and very very adjacent to the Facebook thing. In
0: it. Yeah, I mean, and and we know that uh, Facebook is trying to develop services specifically aimed at kids, aren't they? I mean, is it Messenger they have developed for kids? That,
1: that's right. They rolled out Facebook Messenger Kids in December last year, hmm. and. I think it was probably at that point that they started to realize how little their brand was being trusted in the home and within the family ecosystem mm-hmm. because it was really the kind of thing that 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 sort of galvanized parents into thinking, you know, oh holy shit, there's no way I would allow my kids to actually for, to, 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 for, for this to be unleashed on kids. I think I think adults have sort of accepted the fact, rightly or wrongly, that their data, you know, is getting sucked up and is getting used into various things. But but I think when, when you sort of position that in the form of, well, would you like this to be done to your children, everyone was was, was pretty much horrified. And I think that was probably the first time that, that you were really starting to see that sort of backlash against mm. um, Silicon Valley in general around kids and data. Mm. I mean,
0: it's a kind of a difficult one, isn't it? Because... You have these hearings going on at the moment. You have all the stuff that went on with Cambridge Analytica. And there is a general kind of low-level rumbling outrage about how our data is being used. And yet at the same time, according to Zuckerberg anyway, hardly anyone has really stopped using Facebook.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and I think he's he, he's got a point there, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, data privacy is a very abstract concept for most mm. people. Right For most regular people, and again, I think bringing it back to the kids that's why when when you present it in the form of oh, but children's personal data is getting captured it's it's why it tends to create much more outrage mm. for 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 good reasons because again it's, it's people can visualize that much more easily than this notion of some piece of information about something that you might have looked at being sort of sent to sort of two thousand different um, DMPs and then and, and shared with all of these companies. Mm-hmm. So I, I you know I, I think I do kinda of wonder if in, in ten years' time or, or fifteen years time, our generation are gonna look back and we're we're gonna go, Jesus, we were idiots in mm-hmm. terms of, of, of being so willing to give our personal information. Yeah. Um. You know, into these services. I mean, he's he's right. I mean, there's no secret being made of this at all. Mm. And I, but 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 I think with you know with GDPR, I think with with these hearings that are going on, I think with the with the the FTC um, YouTube COPPA complaint this week, I really do think that we are entering into sort of a a different window now where people are beginning to think about this differently, and they're realizing that at, at the very least. They should think about it. Yeah, right? they might not be like as a as as a society, we might not have reached the point or even be near to it, where mm-hmm. we're going. Okay, shit. You know what? This is probably this is probably just not a great idea in general. Mm-hmm. But they're at least starting to think about it. And I think the fact that even we're having this conversation is 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 progress. Quite frankly,
0: yeah. And look, we've done a lot um, in here on GDPR and. Uh, how that's going to affect uh, the big companies uh, over the next uh, few weeks. Sometimes I do wonder, though, whether we actually know what we want. Like one of the things, one, one of the interesting things to me out of all of this Facebook fallout is how people are still genuinely surprised that lots of their data is shared with so many other people. But they, if you ask them, a lot of people don't seem to really know what they want is it that they don't want any data shared some will say I don't want any data shared but then you tell them well that means that you essentially will be cut off from a lot of the types of interaction you have with your friends or their or, or their activity and then they kind of row back and uh, you know and, and and then some will say well I don't want any politicians to get any access to to my data and then you'll say well does that mean you don't want politicians to get access to Information on the electoral register that they might get you know on for for referenda or or whatever and um it just it 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 brings a lot of very very basic questions and I just do wonder whether we're all a little bit confused and uh we kind of don't really know what we want
1: uh it sounds like you're describing the human condition yeah yeah um I mean, I, and I think I, I don't think you're wrong about that. And I, I, again, like you know, data data is a pretty abstract concept. Um, I, I you know, and I think you know people people don't know how to think about a thing that they can't really sort of touch and feel, um, and you know, they they sort of maybe understand the consequences of you know it, not being able to or, or that, 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 that sort of refusing to let other companies or third parties access it means they can't do other things, or at least, you know, what they, they think they can't do. I mm-hmm. mean, today, all social networking sort of implies that those platforms have to have your personal data. That I mean, to be clear, that is not required to make social networking really work, right? You know, mm-hmm. you don't need that level of granularity. But you're right, I think I think people are confused, and I, I you know, but again, I think this is... this is going to evolve mm-hmm. over the next two, three, four, five years. And and I do actually think it's why the data privacy laws are quite important, mm-hmm. you know, because it is establishing some set of kind of ground rules about, mm-hmm. you know, what what should be permissible here. I, I think probably in, in 10 years' time, I think... Even though today data is treated fundamentally as an asset by companies, Mm -hmm. I think where we're moving to long term, at least certainly in Europe, is where, you know, the the possession of personal data by companies on people will actually be considered a liability. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be about, you know, how, how, how little of it um, can you get away with having in order to provide a service? Certainly, that's that's the, the principle behind GDPR.
0: Yeah, which is antithetical to a lot of the business models that we see uh, at the moment from uh, from Silicon Valley. W- one interesting thing uh, that uh, came out of the, the Facebook, the Zuckerberg hearings, was he was asked repeatedly uh, about this urban legend or conspiracy, whichever you you choose, I think it's an urban legend, the one about uh, Facebook tapping your phone microphone. So you you probably get this as as, as much as I do. Uh, literally every week someone says, uh, you know what, I was only talking about a purple jumper the other day, and then lo and behold, you know, last weekend I saw ads for jumpers on my timeline. And uh, Zuckerberg absolutely categorically denied it. He said, we, we, we don't listen to your... Uh, your microphone um, uh, said that even if we could, it would just take up way too much uh, data processing power. Um, and he also hinted that there might be a paid version of Facebook. We well, didn't say that, but he was asked, "Would Facebook? Would he consider a paid version?" And he said that Facebook would always be free, which is uh, you know, there would always be a free version of it. Which is sort of a way of saying, "Or oh, maybe we'd introduce a, a premium, non-ads." Although I have no idea. Um, how that would work, actually trying to, to make all those connections. But um, uh, And by the way, I just want to say that I am conscious, we, seeing as we're talking about data privacy, we're going to get on now to more of what Super Awesome does. We're talking about this, and I'm sitting here in independent news and media while the, my employer, INM, is still <laughs> waiting for an affidavit yeah. to be opened in court in relation to a potential yeah. uh, very serious uh, data breach. Um, so uh, let nobody uh, be under any illusion that uh, um, you know I, I don't quite have a giant inflatable ele- elephant on my back, but uh, I, I am aware of the uh, the context in, in okay. of, of us talking about data privacy here. Um,
1: but like, but like, like I said at the beginning, though, Adrian, like it, it, you know, the important thing is that we're talking about it. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I and, and I think like notion, even even people bringing up the 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 notion that okay you know facebook might have some tech that is listening to their conversations mm-hmm. you know through their phone people wouldn't have even thought to have you know brought that up to, mm-hmm. you know 2 years ago 3 years ago and you know and it is i think making people more aware of 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 what the kind of technologies that's available out there because there are companies that provide technology that are embedded into apps Mm-hmm. that are listening and they're listening for various sort of environmental triggers, particularly around TV, right. you know, so the, tech, the technology, I mean, absolutely does exist. And I, I think um, a couple of, uh, I think the New York Times wrote about something. Um, related to this a few months ago, so it's not, you know. Although it, 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 it may well be the case that Facebook isn't doing it, that certainly isn't to say that it isn't being done.
0: Well, if, if you or I, if you or I actually are to irresponsibly mention the trigger words that sets off the Amazon Echo, and you know the a word mm-hmm. I'm talking about here, um, mm-hmm. or or if we were to, you know, use the the letters O and then K and then followed by the G word, or hey and then SIRISIRI S-I-R-I. um, you know there are people who'd be listening to this podcast if they're listening to an, a, on a loudspeaker and their devices would go off so you're right they're there you know we and by the way we buy these devices so we have an Amazon echo in in, in our house mm-hmm. and we do it partly um, for that reason so that if I'm too lazy to sw- to walk over and switch the light on I can just uh, I can just call out for the light so um, you know you marry that with the idea idea that it's still there, bubbling under in parts of Silicon Valley, that privacy is still kind of a an old fashioned construct, and we'll we'll crib about it, but we'll learn to live without it. And um, you know, th- this this is a battle that's still kind of raging.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's I don't want to sort of go too far down the rabbit hole of sort of saying that we're kind of effectively building our own surveillance systems. Um, to monitor ourselves, although when you sort of look at the sum of the parts, that does increasingly feel like what we're doing. Well, like health apps. I mean, I, I, yeah, but, but I think as well, you know, you've got, like, it, it's funny, because you look at sort of Sean Parker and, and what he came out mm. and, and sort of talked about around Facebook, you know, a few, a few weeks ago, you know, and sort of opining that that hey, maybe this isn't actually the best thing in the world, and maybe it's not even healthy, etc. I, I
0: wonder like, why why he was doing that. By the way, I mean, it, it was a, Well, he
1: become. I'll, I'll tell you why he's done it. It's because it became apparent in the meantime, uh, right? Like yeah. what, what what you're seeing, what you're seeing is is a lot of people who are starting companies and have ideas, and they're growing up, and they're having life experience, mm-hmm. and they're you know they're realizing okay, just because you can. Do a particular thing. Just because we can capture all of this information, for example, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't necessarily mean with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of life experience mm-hmm. that we necessarily should. So you, you, know? you kind of like
0: that. You think that 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 that, 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 that is particularly big life event of, of having a child. Do you, do you think there's a catharsis there? Because because Zuckerberg himself, he's 33,
1: he is a kid now. He's two, I think. Um He's he's yeah well I think it gives you it gives you a sense of perspective or it appears to give people a sense of perspective mm-hmm. that they are that is sufficiently different and um, that 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 it sort of unlocks an understanding that they simply didn't weren't capable of having before and I see I mean I, I'm not a parent but many 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 of my friends are and I've seen them all go through the same thing of of this sort of new understanding and. You know, how sort of there is there is this huge universe of things that is now absolutely relevant to them that simply was not before they became a parent. And I think particularly as you're you know, as you start to see your kids, your children interacting with devices and technology and your eyes suddenly open mm. in terms of, you know, holy shit, this mm. is a whole universe that our kids are walking into and this is terrible and this is terrible and Okay, I just want to ban everything. is think a lot that, of parents get to that knee-jerk reaction quite early on? Isn't that isn't that the first kid though?
0: D- don't we sort of treat our first kids like they're made of China, and then oh my god, there's no way they they can use this, and oh my god, protect me from this. And then by the time the second, or third kid, yeah, they'll be fine.
1: I, I mean, I guess I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm speaking from observer, ob- observation, not experience, which yeah. is almost sort of um, um, contradicting my own point. But but I, I but I do think that it's it's you know, it is still, you know, for, for a lot of these, you know, for a lot of founders, mm-hmm. you know, who are who are building companies, who have started companies, you know, in their 20s or in their 30s, you know, the difference that a decade of life experience can make in terms of their perspective on their own products and their own business model mm-hmm. can sometimes be quite surprising. So I, I, I think, you know, I, I think, look, Zuckerberg is a very young guy, you know, mm-hmm. he's on a journey in terms of, in terms of how um, how he is thinking about all of this, it wouldn't surprise me in five years' time that he has perhaps got very different opinions on you know data privacy and data um, than he than he does today.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's by the way, if uh, if we finally find out that he's not actually um, Commander Data, the Brents. I don't. Know, did you see the Brent Spiner memes going around this week? No,
1: <laughs> I, di- I didn't. But it doesn't take much imagination no. to, to were, make the leap. they were yeah. pretty
0: excellent. Uh, move on to to something a little bit closer to um, to what you've been interested in yourself. I mean, obviously, with Super Awesome, you're you're looking at what you would describe, I think, as as kid tech system, as kid friendly um, technology systems. And one of the issues that came up recently in Ireland and across Europe, in fact, was this idea of the digital age of age of consent and and. You and I have touched base on this before, and there's a there is a uh, there are differing approaches in Europe. Some countries, uh, one or two countries, really in Europe, have gone for the, the the higher age of sixteen or fifteen, and we've gone for thirteen in Ireland. Mm. Um, mm. You 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 don't think this is a good thing, or you think may, maybe we've made a mistake there?
1: Well, I think that the the point of all this is mm. to you know, have or support an ecosystem that is not capturing personal data on kids and young people. And you know, there is there is no need for most of the applications and most of the platforms that kids use to have access to personal data at the level that we're talking about. There's simply no need to do it. You know, we are we are entering, we are, we are now living in a world where there are about 10 times more kids online than there were six or seven years ago. Mm -hmm. So we are dealing, you know, and we are dealing with an internet that is capturing even more personal data on people, you know, sort of on a a, a daily and weekly basis. So I think that, you know, we have now an opportunity to set the standard for what um, kids safe access to the internet should look like. And GDPR presents us with an opportunity. We can say, well, we want to have you know a safe zone that is at the highest standard in terms of you know creating an ecosystem that is um, that that is ensuring that kids' personal data, personal information. Um, cannot be captured up to 16, oh. or we can choose the lowest possible age and say um, no 13. We're just gonna we're just gonna default to that, and and every child over the age of 13. Well, it just doesn't matter. We're gonna treat you like an adult. And I don't understand where you know where if we've got the opportunity to create you know a larger safe zone safe digital online zone for kids and younger people why we wouldn't take that opportunity just to just that, that baffles me
0: from from a pr- practical point of view um, can you think of like bad outcomes or, con- or consequences uh, can you give me an example of um, you know, a, a bad outcome from a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old, uh, their data being accessed and used as an adult. Um, I mean, I'm wondering, are we making too much of this? Or, or, or it, are there really bad things that could happen?
1: There are really bad things that can happen. The whole point of this is is fundamentally preemptive. Like, if you look at a a child who has been online since sort of roughly the age of two, you know, if they're picking up a device and using it, by the time they get to 13, on average, there's something like about 70 million personal data points that is being captured on them by a lot of the, the, the general sort of internet technology, ad serving, social plugins, etc. Mm-hmm. And at some point in the future, there is going to be some sort of um, you know Pearl Harbor, 9/11 style data disaster. Where an enormous amount of children's personal information gets leaked mm-hmm. because it is sitting there on all of these platforms mm-hmm. and it, because it, it is being it, it is being captured so you have you have got enough data that is able to give you know geographic location it is able to give browsing habits mm-hmm. um, on six-year-olds seven-year-olds eight-year-olds nine-year-olds ten-year-olds mm-hmm. so why would we why would we not be taking steps to make it um, as safe as possible for as large a group of kids as possible for that not to happen.
0: And just to ask a really stupid, uh, and I know this is a stupid question, but in that scenario, that Pearl Harbor scenario where the information of six and seven-year-olds is now being harvested or used in some way, what what are the worst outcomes from that? What would happen to the six or the seven-year-olds?
1: I mean, you're asking me to sort of measure the level of human depravity that is on the Internet, which is not really a slippery slope. I well, no, because because I mean, I, 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 I mean, do you like I mean, put it this way, if, if if I turn around to you or you turn around to any of your friends who, who had kids and say, hey, how do you feel about your children's personal information in terms of everything they're doing? You know, potentially, sort of the postcode and where in which they live, mm-hmm. information about about what other kids they hang out with—that's going to be exposed to a whole bunch of strangers on the internet. Um, I mean, that, I, I wouldn't,
0: I wouldn't be pleased about it, and and it sounds very nefarious. But but what I'm trying to um, parse here is whether there is and, and and to what degree, how how much do do these do the things overlap? Uh, safety, actual physical psychological safety, and basically just exploitation of data? Like, where, where, In terms of the Venn diagram, how much do those two things actually overlap? Or, or is it just a given that if a child's personal data, like their browsing habits, or, or the postcode they live in, or sites they visit, or, or even some of their networked friends, if that data is leaked, is that just an absolute given that that, is, that means that they are in danger somehow?
1: Well, I mean, I think if you look at sort of what happens with adult data, which get gets gets leaked and misused all the time, and I mean, look at the Cambridge Analytical situation, mm-hmm. right? And and there are there are many many people searching for and willing to pay for you know that level of, of, of sort of personal data for a lot of different reasons. I guess in an adult sense, it's you know a lot of it is politically driven. Yeah, it's, it's, it's to pitch it's, it's to pitch it's, ideas it's or
0: marketing it's, or ideas or political. Uh, stuff or or
1: that—that's the basic purpose, not, though, right? Well, that's the basic purpose when it's being done legitimately, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's an, an enormous amount of illegitimate reasons that people are going after personal data for. Mm-hmm. I mean, children are a sensitive and um, protected um, part of society. Mm-hmm. You know, they are children. You know, so it's not like I, I don't think the point is is to try and come up with sort of a list of theoretical terrible things that can go wrong. The fact of the matter is that there is a huge amount of things that go wrong with adult data that is available. And, I'm just trying you know, to protect. We 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 have got an opportunity to protect children. Children have always been protected in society. What we are essentially saying here is that you know for 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 some reason we feel that you know Irish children need less protection mm. than German children. You know, I, I and yeah, it it, it
0: it seems really strange to me when. Um, the Government decided on this thirteen age limit. I, I remember looking it up at the time, and we've written about a little bit about it. I went uh, looking for the rationale behind it. They, they, to be fair to them, they they did have a lot of um children's rights organizations on side on the issue. that that puzzled me as well because it seems antithetical that, you know someone like the ISPCC their society of prevention of cruelty to children might prefer a 13 age limit rather than a 16 age limit um but th- what the ISPCC uh, told me um they set out a list of reasons they were more i think interested in physical safety uh, issues and they they cited reasons such as um if if a child under the age of uh 16 didn't have uh, that wasn't able to, to access that age of consent, then they'd have to effectively seek the consent of their parent or their guardian um, in order to access a, a service that required the use of their data. And their argument was that, um, on the one hand, everybody would just ignore it and kids and parents would end up kind of lying about their age or, or yeah, uh, um, it, it just wouldn't work. And then on the other hand, they, they argued that in dangerous situations or abusive situations where kids where the, you know there were troubled families that it would actually put kids in a more dangerous position because they couldn't access services that might help
1: them well I mean on the latter point I mean you know you can make that argument at any age mm, sure. I mean there's there's a whole I mean there's a whole sort of infrastructure um, that is dedicated to children who are in dangerous physical environments, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a very serious topic um, and, you know, uh, kids in those situations having access to communications is key. I don't know if needing to have, uh, if, if, if sort of Facebook or any social network, you mm-hmm. um, is, is is a is a big is key deciding that, yeah. factor there. I I I, I mean I, I understand the point. I just it, it doesn't I mean you could make that argument about seven, about eight, about nine. You can use yeah. that to justify just about anything, right? Yeah. I mean I think the 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 in terms of the, the parental consent point, I mean yes, that's that's kind of the whole principle behind this. Mm. You know, that you we we want to you know we want to have a structure where um, there is more oversight. And that parents understand more about what is being done with their kids and with their kids' data and what their kids are signing up to. Because I think the challenge for parents is that, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier on, mm-hmm. this is an abstract concept. Parents don't necessarily understand. So if we have an opportunity to educate parents, you know, perhaps it's another tool to help them parent, which is always mm-hmm. an extremely difficult thing. That's a good. Point. I think the other point that, it, the other The other point that I've heard is is that was made. And, and again, to be clear, I haven't been in discussion with these groups. um you know my my sort of perspective on this is probably more of an international global one, right. you know, with with all of the companies, you know, the many hundreds of companies that 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 use our technology to engage with kids, um you know, who are fundamentally kind of the content providers, I suppose, in all of this. Mm-hmm. but but one of one of the the other arguments that I heard was that, you know, which I think was more a misunderstanding was that, you know, they were saying that if 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 the ages of consent is increased to 16, that kids simply won't be allowed to access social services and social networks, and they won't be able to interact with their friends, and therefore that's a bad thing, and therefore that's why we should keep the age at 13. Mm. But 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 that simply sort of says that well, the only way for kids to be able to interact with their friends. Is through an ecosystem um, that is fundamentally designed to capture as much of their personal information as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, this, this, you know, w- what is happening in the world is that there are now more and more platforms and services that are being built specifically for under thirteens, or under 15s or under sixteens. That is providing the same kind of functionality, but is doing so. Without deliberately without capturing all of this personal information So I don't think it's 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 an excuse to say well kids won't be able to access Facebook And therefore this is a terrible thing so we should keep the age as low as possible mm-hmm. Like you know what 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 this is what gdpr is doing is it is trying to change the landscape and move from a, a fundamentally I suppose a status quo where everyone was basically being treated as an adult Mm-hmm. you know, in terms of how their data was being captured or what data was being captured or what environment they were in and re- reflecting the reality that there are now 10 times more children online mm-hmm. and the internet itself has to adapt to that fact.
0: Let me just uh, read out uh, some of the stuff um, super about Super Awesome. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. So as I understand it, your technology, it's used by hundreds of brands and content owners to, and there are about 500 million kids uh, engaged with um, every month. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have a, a kid kid safe tools like uh, 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 Awesome Ads, which is a you say is the biggest yep. kid safe ad platform uh, in the world. Um, Rex, which is uh, I'm reading it here now, the first kid safe programmatic ad filter, and PopJam, mm-hmm. which is uh, social, which are social content tools for uh, under thirteen um, engagement. Um, that all sounds fantastic, and we'll get on to the business uh, end of it in in a, in a minute. And um, it also does occur to me, just as I'm reading that out, though, that um, it might be better for Super Awesome if if um, the age was uh, 16 rather than 13. Is that is that a fair kind of comment? Like you, you, in other words, you you might actually you 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 might you <laughs> you might have a um, a healthy interest in uh, the digital age of consent being. Older rather than younger
1: Well, we're, we're building tools and technology for Developers and for content owners who in turn are creating content and and, and, and uh, Digital uh, platforms mm-hmm. for kids, you know, we are we are building all of the tools to help that ecosystem grow So that there is better safer content for kids and mm-hmm. um, the reason we're doing that is because you know there are data privacy laws there um, and also because we and I personally believe that kids have a right to access the internet without having their personal information captured mm-hmm. so it, it is you, you are you are absolutely correct in terms of saying that, that 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 the that increasing the the age of digital consent from 13 to 16 Increases our addressable market. Yep, a- a- absolutely, but do I personally Morally believe it's the right thing to do. Yes, and I, I think you know with, with super awesome. I you know I've got to say this like super awesome has been the the, the the toughest most amazing company. I've ever been involved with because it is the very very first time I think I can I can sort of look people in the eye hand on heart and say with what we are building in Super Awesome, we are making the internet a safer, and better place for kids, mm-hmm. and and I think I think that's important, and I think that helps society a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you know, so you're 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 right, but I I absolutely stand over that statement because I do think it's the right thing to do, and it's not it's not just me saying that. Germany feels that way. France has shifted it to fifteen. Italy mm-hmm. has shifted it to sixteen. Even China has come out with a whole new data privacy law for kids which no one really expected and they have picked 14 which uh, of course is not 16 but it's still higher than than even what Ireland is choosing Mm. so I think it's it's even even just take take me take my personal views take my commercial interests out of it completely you know if you look at the direction of travel Ireland is below the average Ireland Ireland is choosing an age that is less than China, a country which has been known has only ever been the antithesis of data privacy, yeah. has chosen, and I just think that in itself kind of says a lot, you know.
0: Mm. I, I mean, you you guys recently rolled out a a content cert, a certification standard for under under thirteen YouTube influencers, is that right?
1: Yeah, YouTube has been a real a real issue for everyone, and, and we should kind of talk about that as well. Um, and one of the one of the big challenges on YouTube was there were a lot of young YouTubers creating content you know so you had nine year olds 10 year olds 11 year olds 12 year olds um, and you uh, you also had sort of slightly older YouTubers who had very young audiences and you know YouTube officially doesn't have any under 13 users that's mm-hmm. kind of the elephant in the room situation mm-hmm. so the problem was that there was there was no real guidance that was given to anyone who was under 13, who was, an, who was an under 13 YouTube content creator in terms of what they should or shouldn't be doing, and there was no guidance being given to YouTubers who had very, very young audiences. So we were, a lot of our customers were coming to us saying, you know, you guys are sort of the safety standard here, can you please, you know, get involved in the YouTube ecosystem and see what you can, what you can improve? So we, we put together this set of content um, standards um for anyone who's who's creating content for kids or is themselves under thirteen. And we we we've started rolling it out and we're we'll be announcing an update to it in about three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. But the response has been tremendous and it's it's and it's it's not just um making sure that the content you're creating is appropriate. You know, it's making sure that you're, you're you know you're doing things like moderating your comments. It's making things, mm-hmm. making sure that you're 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 not being seen to be you know creating video content at ten or eleven o'clock at night or midnight mm-hmm. to make sure that you're not setting a bad example for kids. Oh, it's really sort of doing it. Yeah, it's really kind of doing as much as we can within the, the constraints of YouTube, which, which are significant, mm-hmm. to make sure that kids who are there, despite the fact that they shouldn't be, are setting a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will never, you know, to be clear, you know, YouTube is an adult platform. We can never make it kids' safe. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of it. But, but I think for us, the reason we decided to get involved is that we believed we could make it safer.
0: I mean, like the the a- after, after I'd say, actually more so than Netflix, YouTube is... Probably the first major app that most kids really watch and use. I mean, from my from my experience.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's a real problem because it's it's it, it is absolutely an adult platform. You know, so every time you know you 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 have um, you have content you know discovery there that is really focused on adults. And you know you have a platform that is that is you know capturing personal information on anyone who's using information there. But again, it's, it's kind of a reflection of, of how early the kid tech space is. You know, I think in 10 years time, you'll have two or three or four services that have been built, you know, with the assumption that kids are going to use them. When YouTube was, was, was designed and built, you know, originally, what, 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. You know, there was, there, was, there was a fraction of the amount of children online as there are today. No one, no one saw this coming. So, as a result, YouTube is actually in a very, a very difficult place here, you know, because they, they, they can't really stop kids going to the platform, but they've built the whole thing around this adult business model. Mm-hmm. So, you know, earlier this week, you saw the major complaint made to the FTC in the US alleging that, that YouTube was in breach of COPPA, which is the big kids' data privacy law in the US. And the consequences of, of that being uh, being held. Um, are being greeted by the FTC are absolutely huge in terms of the size of the fines that they could levy against YouTube.
0: Mm-hmm. So you've got uh, 35 YouTubers on board on the certification pro- uh, uh, program, and they represent 35 million subscribers and eight to nine billion monthly impressions. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I think that's roughly the number when we announced it. Okay. it it's significantly greater. greater now. Um, so we're, we're in the, yeah, many, many more tens of millions of subscribers, but I, but I think it's, it's, you know, the, the, the primary focus of what we're doing is providing, you know, tools and technology for, for, you know, all of our customers to build alternative, um, content destinations and alternative, you know, apps and games and things like that for kids to spend their time that are designed very specifically to be under 13 experiences so that they're kids safe and they there's zero data, etc. Um and I think that's that, that you know that's if you look at in in sort of you know a year's time or two years time, there's a huge amount of 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 work that's going on behind the scenes by a lot of the big media companies and, and content owners mm-hmm. to build very dedicated platforms for kids. Mm-hmm. So the landscape is is going to look extremely different in, in eighteen or twenty four months.
0: And you're right in the middle of the thick of it, because it's one thing to talk about all this, but um, super awesome, your your company is seems to be really um, uh, doing well uh, from a business sense out of it. You're recently named the eighth fastest growing private technology company in Britain, according to the Sunday Times uh, Tech Track 100 2017 as well as one of Europe's fastest-growing companies, according to the Financial Times uh, 1000. Um, You raised, I think the last raise was 21 or $22 million in last year, 2017, or early 2017. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. uh, sources close to the company, quote unquote, um, say that you have a valuation at north of $100 million um, at the moment. with a revenue run rate of some $50 million at the end of this year expected. So you're doing pretty well.
1: Um, that sounds like some very accurate reporting <laughs> that you're quoting there, Adrian. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and actually for the record, last week the Financial Times named us the fastest growing, the number one fastest growing tech company in the UK, Okay, uh, which was, Kind of amazing. Oh, even though, I mean, to be clear, it's close to 75% of our, our businesses in the U.S. Right. But we're a UK, UK, U.K. headquarter company. But, yeah, I mean, look, we, 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 we set up Super Awesome about four and a half years ago, and, and it was a very with a pretty specific thesis on, on, on what was going to happen on the Internet in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, the emergence of, of kids as a huge factor, the growth of, of data privacy law, and the need for tools and technologies for developers to create more, more, more content, more apps um, uh, for for kids Mm -hmm. because nobody was doing it. Nobody was thinking about it. And I think, you know, for the first couple of years, it was, you know, it was very, very, very tough because, you know, you think about like, you know, me walking in and pitching a lot of VCs in Silicon Valley, you know, where the mania is still data, data, data. And I'm walking in saying, hey guys, we're literally talking about the opposite of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you know, you're kind of breaking a lot of people in Silicon Valley when you kind of go in with that approach. And I, I, I think it was, you know, it was definitely not something people properly understood at all at all in the first couple of years, no matter how well we tried to explain it. Mm-hmm. I think in the last 18 months, the last 24 months, certainly the last 18 months, I think people have now started properly grasping the magnitude of the change that is happening in terms of who is using the internet and what that means.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, before I let you go, I want to I ask you about uh, your love of rap, because um, you, you you used you used to do um, a column for uh, for us uh, for for the pages that I edit in uh, the Irish Independent. It was a really excellent column. Um, and but you always used to start off. It, w- it was a technology column. You started off each column usually with a a, a quote from some rapper or, or other. Like what you know, people listening to you now will think, oh, that guy sounds like a very well-spoken sort of uh, you know." Uh, Dublin type. Um, how you know? How, how did he get into? How did he get into all that gangster rap?
1: Well, well, first of all, to be clear, I'm I'm, I'm Tipperary, not Dublin. Uh, <laughs> We're going to edit that bit out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> important distinction to make. Yeah, I would I would say my my um, my my fervent belief in. The importance of a zero data internet for kids is matched only for my love of highly inappropriate rap music. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was a rap DJ um, in university, um, which is a statement that when I make, people kind of never believe me and make very strange mm-hmm. faces. Um, but that's that's kind of what I what I what I grew up in. I've seen I, some I, pictures. I,
0: I've be. seen some photos. <laughs>
1: Oh, there is photos. There is video footage. There is if you go searching, you know, there is there is a lot of there is a lot of data there, and it is one of my things. And I, I've been involved with 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 various rap groups and rappers and, and various things over the years. And I have made very minor contributions to the the Dublin hip hop scene, um, and and occasionally the New York hip hop scene as well. But yeah, it is it is something I love. At, at some point, I will I will go back to uh, to being a rap DJ. Um, are, you, are you going to be?
0: Are you going to be like the Jimmy? Was it Loving or Iovine? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Are you going to be the Jimmy Iovine yeah. of twenty twenty five?
1: Well, I guess that means I got to find my Dr. Dre, right? Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah. But I, yeah, I, at some point, I mean, I, look, rap, rap music is something I listen to, and I talk a lot about of, uh, a lot about, and, and, and it, it, it entertains me. And um, I think people people struggle to try and reconcile that with the whole kids' data privacy thing. Um, but it's just me. I'm 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 a I'm a I'm, I'm I guess I'm a couple of I'm a walking contradiction.
0: Yeah, you're are you're also a Star Wars fan, though, right? Am, am I re- remembering of, that correctly? Of course.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I'm a I'm a deep nerd of many things. I mean, uh-huh. rap music, of course. But food and, and sci fi, absolutely, as well. Well,
0: I think you, but as I recall now, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, and if this is um, because that you know, I, I we may have met once or maybe twice, but you know, we, we haven't gone drinking on any sessions or anything. But I do recall seeing a photo of you at a certain wedding, um, in <laughs> Star Wars, Star Wars attire. Is that was that an accurate photo?
1: Uh, that, was a, that was an accurate depiction mm-hmm. of, 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 of something that happened, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there, were, there were several characters involved in that. I think um, Paul
0: Hayes was one. Uh,
1: Paul Hayes was one, yes. Paul Hayes has the, has the, um, the, the infamy of having married me mm-hmm. um, in, in, in the third-party sense, to be clear. Oh, um, but yeah. in a in, in 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 a wedding in a in a wedding ceremony that 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 involved lightsabers and various other things it was it was wonderful.
0: And he because he, he was I think he was he was dressed as Darth Vader right was that right? Do I remember that right?
1: No, I was dressed as Darth Vader. You were Vader. dressed as Darth Vader. Um, okay. I think he was he was he was sort of going for an Obi Wan Kenobi kind of look. Got it. Okay. Um, okay. okay. Um, and
0: so, um, so you take your, you, know, you, you The you take the, your uh, Jedi Master. You take your cosplay uh, very seriously then. Oh, I
1: really do. I think, I think you've, got to, you've, you've, you've got to live it, Adrian. You've uh-huh. got to live it. Um, well, listen.
0: Um, it, no, go on. Go on. Go ahead.
1: No, I was, I was going to make some future prediction about some sort of costume that I would wear at a presentation, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave that for another day.
0: Well, listen, uh, I'm going to let you go, but uh, th- thank you so much to Dylan, uh, Dylan Collins, uh, founder and chief executive of Super Awesome. Um, I hope uh, you enjoyed our chat today and for all the listeners if you do want to hit like or comment on our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever it is you're listening that does help a lot it helps the podcast get out to uh, other people so uh, for me Adrian Weckler uh, till next time bye bye.